do what it takes. And so he is the prime, perfect example of a guy who, well, okay, great, great. We'll just, we'll take his contract and put it in the shredder and just write up a new one. We'll, we'll... Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Friday, February the 24th. I'm your host, Easton Fries, director of published content here at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We are also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. I am joined on a Friday, the last day of the week, and that means we are one day, uh, well, one work day away from heading to Indianapolis for the NFL Combine by the, the man I will be spending all week next week with um, doing our very best to fit in amongst the media and NFL coaches and GMs and the like. Producer JT, how are we doing on this Friday? I'm very good. I'm so excited. Every day is just a day closer to, to next week. I'm super excited. A lot to be done still in that time, Fun. but yes. we've been working hard uh, day and night since our last episode, trying to get logistics and everything, and as, mm-hmm. as well as if you can probably hear my voice and you're watching the video, we now have matching mic setups. So we're up in our game we for do. the combine and uh-huh. for for uh, episodes beyond that as well. We are. We are upping our game for the combine, our production value. Um, we have been, you know, if you've been listening to the show all week this week, it's not that we've been phoning it in per se, but we've not quite gone all in with our show prep and, you know, doing long shows, getting into the nitty gritty of a lot of these details, because frankly, you know, I'll be I'll I'll be square with with our listeners who I respect. Y- you guys, you know, you spent all week paying attention to Titans news, and it's covered almost to the minute by these publications, and then you know, within hours by the radio shows going on all day long, and other shows and podcasts and YouTube shows and and, and similar programs to what we put on. And um, in weeks like this past one, where all of the the talking points are in lockstep. There simply is not enough to be talked about outside of the the tidbits of news of the day. A lot of it becomes really redundant, and it bothers me to put a ton of time and effort into prepping this show when it's going to be a lot of the same things that many of you have heard. Now, I know that there's some of you that come to us first and foremost as your um, as your titans and or nfl news source and i cannot tell you how appreciative we are of those of you that that treat us as your number one source for news so we're never gonna um you know entirely leave out details that are important uh, even if they've been you know covered already but for those of you i would imagine the majority of you that have have heard the titans news of the week um, usually on a, a show or two or read about it before you even came to this show it's also the kind of thing jt where there's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of um, personal, uh, there's not a whole lot of, of subjective elements to the conversation. You know what I mean? Like during the, during the season, you may have a topic that everyone talks about all day, every day for a week, but there's a ton of different angles on it. Well, when it comes to things like the Titans cutting who they cut in the past 24 or 48 hours and, and, um, you know, off season ideas for who shouldn't be a free agent, who should be a free agent target for a team, it tends to all be redundant in the sense that people have the same take over and over. And so that, that is all to say, I, I, we don't put a ton of effort into that, especially you and I, we're going to, you know, have the opportunity, unlike many of these folks doing shows here in town next week, we'll be doing something that, that frankly, you're not gonna be able to get anywhere else except for maybe uh, a couple of the radio shows that are here in Nashville. That'll be there on radio row. 
um, that I, I know uh, I'm, I'm sure 104.5 will be there. I'm sure 102.5 will be there. Um, but beyond that, I already know a handful of your regular um, beat beat writers from town, your regular shows from town are either taking the year off or aren't being sent to the combine this year for one reason or another. We are going, so we're super excited about that. And uh, we're going to have, you know, a week's worth, really probably a month's worth of content condensed into one week next week as we work our butts off um, every waking hour of the day in Indianapolis, starting on Tuesday. And uh, we're, we're kind of just preparing ourselves for that, to be honest. So that's where we where we are at today. Uh, the last thing I'll say about the combine real quick that I that I had on my to do list was we want to um, as a as a burgeoning show that still has a pretty n- not niche audience, but a small enough audience that um, we are still able to pay attention to each and every one of you, your thoughts, your input, your ideas. We want to leverage that. We want to take advantage of that. So next week when we're in Indianapolis or or now as we're preparing to go to Indianapolis for the NFL Combine, we want to hear what do you want us to focus on? Are there certain players you want us to key in on? Are there certain position groups you want us to key on? Key in on? Of course, we already have our ideas for how it's going to go, but we want to be able to provide you exactly what you're looking for from the NFL combine this year. We want to be your personal boots on the ground in Indianapolis, talking to the the people that you want to hear from asking the questions you want answered, paying attention to the prospects that you want to know more about. So if you have thoughts, ideas, suggestions, requests along those lines, please let us know via, you know, Twitter DM or, um, reach us via email over uh, at broadwaysportsmedia.com. If you look up, the uh, staff on there. You can find our email addresses. Um, you can always email Broadway sports at Broadway sports is another email that I have access to. So send us an email or a DM uh, or leave us a five-star review and leave it in, a five-star rating and leave it in the review box. We want to hear your thoughts on next week and what you want us to cover. So please help us personalize that coverage for you. Today's coverage JT is focusing on all of these things that have consumed the Titans news cycle this week. Primarily the cuts that happened on what was it Thursday? My my timeline's messed up because I, I was you you this is I am a reborn man today. I was deathly ill. Me and my wife woke up uh yesterday, I guess Wednesday morning. We're recording this on Thursday night. Uh we woke up Wednesday morning, and if you can tell by my general demeanor and maybe my voice, I don't sound as lively lively as I typically am. It's because I still I still feel quite ill, but compared to yesterday, I feel amazing because I was, I've never been the kind to get sick and spend all day in bed. You know, even when I'm really sick, I still have to get up and do something with my life. Yesterday was really the first time in my life that I can remember outside of maybe early childhood where I was bedridden, bedridden all day long by this stomach bug that I guess is going around. I heard from some folks that it's been cropping up in schools and with them and it just blindsided us. I felt amazing Tuesday night. We recorded the show on Tuesday night had a great night, uh, watched a, a movie with my wife, and then we went to bed, and both of us woke up at 6 a.m., and it was a disaster from sunup to sundown yesterday. We were miserable, miserable, um, and but now I feel great. I woke up today and felt great, and so it was one of those, I guess, 24-hour things where it comes and it goes like a thief in the night, and I, I'm glad that it's gone, but I, I wish none of that on all of you. I guess, I guess the only positive outlook here is that I got it early enough, JT, that not only will we not have to deal with it, uh, me getting sick in Indianapolis next week, but it's the kind of thing where I'd imagine if I came down with this illness in an Airbnb with you next week, you for sure would have gotten it. And then we both would have been dead and it would have ruined what would be a great week. So I'm, I, I guess I'm glad we got out of the way. Um, 
but uh, yeah, miserable, miserable. Uh, we, we did that. All of that is to say, I get uh, brain fog maybe because I'm I'm getting super sidetracked here. We're talking about the cuts. Those happened on Wednesday, correct? Is my timeline yeah. accurate? Okay. Yeah, they were. They happened the same day as that because I remember uh, holding down the fort on Twitter, just like that's right, yeah, every yeah. single thing. And I, I I texted you. I was like, when the world, when the Titans world needed him most, he vanished. <laughs> he and, vanished. That's when, and that's when you told me I am deathly ill right now. And I was like, that makes sense. That's right. It was at like two o'clock in the afternoon, and I had woken up from my I don't know fifth nap of the day, um, still feeling miserable, and I go to my phone and I'm like an hour late on all of these bitten breaking news cuts by the Titans things that and we'll talk about this more in a moment things that weren't unexpected and anyone that tells you that they are surprising or rev, uh, you know revolutionary in the way that we're thinking about this team in the offseason and the, like the way that they're approaching 2023 that that person doesn't know what they're talking about at best and they're a fool at worst so don't pay attention to them don't listen to them um, I'm imagining a lot of that sentiment is coming from folks maybe in the national media that don't pay the attention to the Titans that they should but they still run their mouths like fools. Um, but yeah, we we uh, we we had these things happen, and it's yet another example. JT, how many times has something happened uh, that we need to be paying attention to in our in our work lives uh, on this show at the least opportune time? I mean, it is always something. Um, I have so much free time some days, and it's just a it's a graveyard of information. There's nothing going on. I could spend, you know, an eight hour block of my day dedicated to any and all news and nothing. And then I have one day where I have, you know, seven doctor's appointments and a haircut and uh, plans to go to a concert or I fall deathly ill. And then the entire world falls apart and I'm supposed to be there to cover it. And it's like, of course, that's that's Murphy's Law, I suppose. Yeah, so we I had just I think Rand just has our number right now. This I think he does. This has happened like I think twice he's messing now. with us intentionally. I, I think. He yeah, is. yeah, yeah. So, so we're going to, we're going to walk through the four cuts that Rand Carthen made yesterday for the Titans, talk a little bit about each of them. And I have kind of a different angle that again, you may have heard already this week, but I think deserves reiterating on all four of these guys. Let's start with the first one and the biggest one, JT, if you could give us the information on the first cut the Titans made yesterday. Yeah. So the first one that the Titans made was cutting Taylor Lewan. This is one that we kind of talked about. We didn't really see him coming back. Um, this past season, of course, he is one of that, that he was talking very much early in the off season on his podcast and podcast alike. In which I believe he, he like, said, and I quote, the Titans are going to cut me. They are going to cut, they <laughs> are they going did. to cut me and, and they yeah. did. And he was released by Tennessee clearing up $14.84 million of cap room there, which 1.793 million of that is dead cap, but it still right. was the first big uh, cap cut of the day for the Titans. Yeah, so I want to talk briefly on Lawan, and I, I would be remiss to not mention what his legacy as a Titan is. There's a, still a chance that he end up ends up coming back on a reduced salary. He he talked at length about his future on his episode of Busting with the Boys yesterday, which I've caught bits and pieces of. Um, but he already mentioned he has zero interest. It, well, he started by saying on the show that his top three teams, if he goes somewhere else, were Jacksonville, Houston, and Indianapolis, which is hilarious. And then he went on to clarify that he would he would rather retire than ever play for any of those teams. So big respect there. Um, I, I personally, I, I hate when anybody that is a legend for one team goes and plays for another team. In, like, like, um, like Bobby Wagner, for example, being a legend with the Seahawks and then going to the Rams and the Rams, you know, coincidentally AFC cut, South one, Andre Johnson. Sure. Sure. Andre John Johnson was a, a perfect example of that. Um, 
I hate that. It, it, it feels, it just is weird. You know, like I don't have to explain it. It's just, it, it is strange. Um, and I don't like it. And so I appreciate him respecting that and, and not, um, looking to do that, but he, he did acknowledge the fact that there are some teams that he would consider going to play for if they ended up wanting him like the Steelers. And, um, it, it's a situation where I, I would, I would guess based on the way that he talked about the health of his knee on that show, he continued to mention that that I got to get the knee healthy first. I got to get the knee right first. He, he, the Titans, when they released him, designated the release as uh, failure to pass physical. And so that's that's a technical thing in terms of the the, the process of, of a release that they that they have to do. But it also is reflective of the fact that his knee is just not anywhere near the shape it needs to be in right now. And his body's not anywhere near the shape it needs to be in right now to play. So I don't I don't see any team getting him anytime soon. It would be like probably definitely post draft post June 1st. It would probably be some team picking him up at, at earliest in June or July. And uh, it wouldn't shock me if maybe he becomes a a um, midseason addition for somebody looking to either replace their left tackle who um, went down with injury in the year or somebody that just needs a boost or a swing tackle or something. That's kind of the most likely scenario, I think, for him coming back and playing football again. I think there's a, a much bigger chance than anything else. He loves Nashville. He's got a, a great second career with with Barstool and with Bussin' with the Boys and podcasting, and he, he has a, a wife and kids that are here in Nashville that he's raising here and building a family. All of these things are pretty clear indicators to me that he's leaning towards retirement right now. His body's you know, giving up on him a little bit. Uh, he, he, he's one of those guys in the NFL, some, some linemen in the NFL, you see when they are in playing shape and out of playing shape, they pretty much look the same. Like they just were God, you know, built them the way that they are. And then some guys like Juan are the kind of guys that outside of their playing shape or when they get hurt, they really deflate and you're like, Oh wow. Okay. That's a normal sized human. Now that's not a, you know, a behemoth left tackle in the NFL. And then they just have this extraordinary ability to bulk up when they need to. He's one of those guys. And I can't imagine, even though he's been able to do it multiple times, go up and down, up and down, inflate and deflate. I can't imagine it's very fun or um, a process that, you know, you'd want to go through more times than than you need, especially if you're worried you might go through that process of bulking all the way up just to play like this year to uh, not one one game and a couple of snaps before you get hurt again and then deflate again. Um, so I'd imagine all of those impediments would um you know, lead him towards let, let's maybe just call it a career. Let's hang it up. Nine great years with the Titans. And I want to talk a little bit about that. A lot of talk about his legacy as a Titan. The thing that I think he's going to be remembered for the most and should be remembered for the most is really being not the primary leader in transforming the Titans culture and the Titans organization um, from a team that was really destitute for a long time and had been mired in mediocrity at best. And, you know, two and 14 seasons at worst, changing them from that culture to a winning culture. He wasn't, he wasn't the leader in that, in his entire career. I mean, he said himself, he really wasn't taking on a prominent leadership role in the locker room or with his former or uh, fellow, I guess, former players, teammates until Mike Vrabel had already come in and like his first or second year under Mike Vrabel as the head coach. But he is going to go down as the face of that change, the, the face of that revolution because he came in and for a couple of years at the beginning of his career in particular, he kind of was the face of this team. And he was playing on a team where, you know, the guy who's typically the face of a team, the quarterback was Marcus Mariota and, you know, love him or hate him. Marcus Mariota, not a vocal guy, not the kind of guy who is a big leader 
I'd say in front of the media or in front of a microphone or outside of the locker room. Um, one could argue whether or not he was a leader inside the locker room or inside the huddle, but he's at least not one when it comes to his outside perspective. And he's not the kind of guy to really be the face of a team that left the next biggest personality in the room. And that was absolutely Taylor one from start to finish. He was for my money, really the face of the team from being drafted in whoa, whoa, what nine years ago. So uh, 2014, I suppose. From then until the Titans, uh, not even until the Titans drafted Derrick Henry, but until he got good. So I guess once the Titans moved on from De, De, uh, DeMarco Murray and and gave Henry the reins and he really took off and became the face of the franchise, what was that, three years ago? Taylor Lewan spent a good five or six years as the face of the team. And he was the face of the team, again, from that transition of bad team playing under bad coaches with bad personnel um, you know, your best receiver is a tight end in Delaney Walker. You've got bad quarterbacks and a kind of revolving door at GM and head coach. Um, and, and then, you know, you bring in John Robinson, you bring in Mike Vrabel and they make that change to Ryan Tannehill. And then they, be, you know, they slowly become this team that has hadn't had a losing season in five straight years until this past year's injury luck just destroyed them. And so he gets credit in the the pantheon of Titans history for being that guy, that guy who was the the only really the only constant in the locker room through all those years. For a long time, it was he and Brett Kern were really the only guys of any tenure in the Titans locker room. And then Brett Kern moves on after uh, two seasons ago. And now uh, it looks like not looks like Taylor Lewan almost certainly is going to be done with the Tennessee Titans and probably with his NFL career. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, oh, ring of honor, you know, do the, do the Titans consider putting him in to see, you know, does he go down as the greatest Titans left tackle of all time? I understand folks wanting to, you know, honor and respect the legacy of, of a, of a really good player. And he was a great player for the Titans, but at best, he's really the third best left tackle in the, in the history of the team. Um, you know, there, there are other guys that have played for the Titans on the offensive line that were for sure better than he was. He, he earned a, a number of pro bowls, which are great, but as we've stated before, really don't mean anything increasingly. So over the years, he never was a first team all pro, which is what does matter. He, he, I believe made a, a couple of second teams, JT, if you wouldn't mind fact checking me on that, I think he had a, a second team, all pro or two in there, but I know he didn't get a first team. And, uh, he's going to go down as a guy again, that was a really, really great player for the Titans was not an elite player, um, was not an all time player, but he is going to go down as the guy who was the face of that change. And that's a really important thing. That's a really important thing. And that's, that's going to be what I think he's remembered for. So a really fantastic career for a player that the Titans have not really been utilizing a ton at all. He's missed more than half of his games in the last, what, three or four years. So, they are moving on from Lawan and uh, JT. Did you find did you find that information? Yeah. So he was um, he's gone to the Pro Bowl three times. Right. As far as All Pro, I, I'm not sure if he was even a second team. Okay. Um, he he he's he's come close for okay. sure, but I don't right. know. So if he's, he's been ever... that fringe guy. So yeah, he's a, he's a very good to great player that fell apart at the end of his career and is an amazing personality and is an amazing person in the city of Nashville and has done great things for the team and the community, but not quite a ring of honor player, not quite an all timer. So that's really the legacy of Taylor will one. And we bid him a fond farewell. JT, who was the second player at the Titans bid a fond farewell yesterday? 
Yeah, so the second one that they bid farewell to was one that if you had to say one of them was surprising without being too surprising, it has to be this one here. We all knew that the other ones were coming, but this one makes sense, at least to me. I I, I see why they did it. They cut kicker Randy Bullock, so see you later, the Randy zone. It was fun while it lasted. It was not fun while it lasted. (laughs) Do not lie. (laughs) (laughs) But that that cut there uh, clears up two point one three million dollars in cap space. Six hundred thousand of that is dead cap. But that is the second cut the Titans made yesterday. Yeah. So Randy Bullock, like you said, if any of these cuts were surprising, it was Bullock. But it doesn't really shock you in hindsight, or it shouldn't shock you in hindsight. He's a guy that they didn't have to move on from from because all of these must cuts. It's typically a well, it's money saving measures, right? It's guys that their contract is untenable going forward or their contract is coming to a close or they're, you know, they're just, they are washed and you've got to get them off the payroll. Bullock arguably washed, I suppose. I mean, he's, he's very good inside of 42 yards, 43, maybe that's kind of pushing it. Um, he, he hit at 75% this past season was, um, what is it? 75%? Excuse me. He, he was hit at 85% this season going six for eight from 40 to 49 yards, which is fine. Um, You know, 75% in the 40 yard range is cool, but in terms of kicks that were 47 yards or longer, which in today's NFL are pretty standard, I would say a real requirement in terms of being a starting NFL kicker, you should be able to reliably hit 47 plus yard field goals. Really? If you can't, if you can't reliably hit field goals between 47 and 53 yards in the NFL. I just don't think you're long for the league. I don't think that, that that's going to to hold up most teams. That's not acceptable for, and for the Titans, the, the mere fact that last season, he only kicked the ball in the 40 to 49 yard range eight times just goes to show while he hit six of them, the Titans didn't want him kicking from that range very often. There were a number of times where this team, and you can't say well, it was because they were confident their offense was going to pick up the first down. No, they were not. They still went for it because they didn't want Randy Bullock kicking from outside 40 yards. And so for him from, uh, and I forgot to even mention the stat I was talking about from 47 plus yards last season, he was three for six, 50% on the year. That's just not good enough. Um, and that's, uh, I think a big part of the reason why, again, if he was as good a kicker from inside 42 or from outside 42, that he is inside 42, he'd still be on the roster. They'd still be paying him. But the mere fact that he was making a, a veteran's amount of money for a kicker, you can really afford to get, you, you would imagine at the very least his level of play, hopefully better from a rookie or a combination of rookies that can battle it out in the off season and in preseason activities for pennies on the dollar compared to what you were paying him. He only leaves behind 600,000 in dead cap. You get a couple million dollars back. It's, it's a no brainer for me. And it's a, it, it makes sense that, that they ended up just going ahead and pulling the plug on it, making it clear to the organization and, you know, pers- perspective kickers and media and fans alike that, Hey, we're not Rand Carthen and Mike Vrabel are no longer accepting this mediocre kicking ability that, that, that this team has had really since Ryan Suckup got injured and then got cut and went to the Bucks and won a Super Bowl. That was really or prime Ryan Suckup before he got his big injury. That was the last time the uh, the Titans had reliable kicking and under Bullock to his credit, they had reliable kicking for two years 
as compared to what they had, but it was all comparative. People's love for Randy Bullock were, uh, was really born more of the fact that they had been in the desert wandering for kicking competence for years and years and years, and they finally found competence, but it was a hard ceiling of competent. There was no good. There was no great from Randy Bullock. So the Titans decided to move on. The third cut of the day, which is the one that had all Titans fans up in arms yesterday because of what the player said on Twitter, was Robert Woods, who was cut yesterday, clearing up $12 million in cap room for the Titans. Uh, $2.6 million of that is dead cap, and his, re- his response on Twitter was to tweet free exclamation point like he is a 1,500-yard a per season. He was imprisoned by the Tennessee diva. Titans all year, the poor guy, and now he's free. Good for him, though, I guess, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he's, maybe he just meant free agent. Like, that's what I am now because that's what he is. Um, yeah, really, I had nothing, I had no bad things to say about him as, as a person all year. He handled himself very professionally in the locker room. Um, he seemed to be professional on and off the field, the, but the gall to, to say that on Twitter after the year that you had, it's not a great look. Um, it, it's, it's frustrating. I'm sure for Titans fans, um, he would still be on the roster making 10 plus million dollars, 12 million dollars a year if he'd managed to get more free during the season. I mean, he he welcomed so many jokes along those lines on the internet yesterday because he was not free on the field very often at all last year. And one could argue he put the Titans in a passing the ball, passing ability prison much more than the Titans put him in a, a wide receiver prison. He was a guy that really is a combination of washed due to his age and coming off of a late season ACL tear. I think it's really that clear. And that's why to me of all the cuts, the Titans have made this season so far this off season, rather he's the one most likely to come back and bite it, bite them in the butt a little bit. He's the guy most likely to move on to another team next year and look better than he did again, because we've seen it time and time and time again, these players come off of ACL major knee injuries And in their first year back, they're typically just not all that great. They are more often than not pretty mediocre. And then if they've still got it in them and at his age, you never know. Maybe this just marks the end of his ability, the end of his career. But if he still got it in him, got a little juice left, you could totally see him uh, now a year removed from that first year off the injury going to a team, especially if he can go to a team that can be a little bit more patient with him play him in a more proper role because another part of this season that led to him being really disappointing was he was like many Titans wide receivers in the last two years forced into a wide receiver role that he was not capable of fulfilling. He was forced to be the Titans wide receiver two or wide receiver one for most of the year. And that's really not where he's at at his point at this point in his career. He's a wide receiver two on his best day, really a three when when you uh, have a, a roster where you can comfortably slot him in where he belongs and the Titans weren't able to do that. They were not able to do that. And that's why he uh, ultimately failed in, in addition to the fact that he's just not very good at the moment and maybe not very good anymore, period. I could totally see him going to like a Kansas City next year and being, a, you know, a wide receiver three or four and and matching his production and having a much higher um, efficiency and looking better. And that's not shock that shouldn't shock you it shouldn't shock me it shouldn't shock anybody because again he's coming off of that injury but the bottom line is the titans made the right move even if he goes off for 1500 yards next season 
the Titans made the right move to not pay this man $12 million next year. Absolutely. So he was an easy one to cut. The final cut of the day is Zach Cunningham, the inside linebacker for the Titans, who many speculated was probably going to get cut, if not even sooner. He was one of those guys that you pointed out was kind of on Vrabel's eight to four list. He is released (laughs) by the uh, Tennessee Titans, clearing $8.92 million of cap space. 4.5 of that is dead um, on, on total, on the total there. So, uh, Happy trails, Zach Cunningham. (laughs) Not much to say. Yeah, I don't have a ton to say about Zach Cunningham. Really a dramatic rise and fall for Cunningham, who at the time of the Titans picking him up off of waivers midseason last year was a really good move. And he came in and he helped this team. He he was a, a significant part of their run to the one seed last year. And then this year, there were injuries involved. But man, the fall off for him was was stark dramatic rapid and it it never it would never there was no dead count cat bounce um there was no hope at the end light at the end of the tunnel it, it was all bad it was ne- never even remotely leaning towards promising and he was the easiest cut it sounds like especially because we've been talking about this since mm, i don't know november we we've known that w- with mike vrabel's not so subtle calling out of some of the people on the roster as eight to four guys. And a number of people have asked me what that means. This is in reference when he says eight to four guys, he means guys that come in at 8 a.m. and leave at 4 p.m. And outside of the facility, outside of the work hours, they're not putting in extra work. They're not working, you know, super hard while they're there. It's kind of like the quiet quitters of the NFL, right? The people that are putting in the, the bare minimum. And that that's not, you, you can't do that and be a starter in the NFL. It's not how it works. Um, so that's why, uh, along with the fact that he, he sucked last year, that's why he's gone. An easy, easy, easy move. Uh, a pretty significant chunk of dead cap right right there, $4.5 million, like you said. But they got that contract off the books, and that was the definitely the easiest move that they've made so far. But yeah, those four, Lawan, Bullock, Woods, and Cunningham, all four off the, off the payroll for next year, off uh, outside of dead cap, off of the books in terms of guys that are going to be eating up active money and uh so the the big question now jt is what comes next and there's been a lot of speculation revolving around this a lot of folks have been surprised by the fact that bud dupree was not among those guys that ended up being cut on wednesday and we found out really today via i think it was jason over at over the cap i could be incorrect but one either over the cap or spodrack one of the two big off-season money guys online talked about how with Bud Dupree, his contract has some guaranteed money on it for next season. So it requires the Titans really to wait until the new league year begins, which the league year, the old league year ends and the new league year begins on March 15th, kind of an, uh, a random date they've chosen. I don't know what the significance of that date is kind of an um, obligatory cutoff date that they've chosen And so from a financial technical standpoint, they need to wait until then to be able to make that move. But there's been a lot of buzz and conversation around the idea of, well, do you even cut him then? Or should the Titans wait until June 1st and make him a post June 1st cut? Because that's going to allocate them some more money than they would get if they were to cut him now. Now, we'll talk about my opinion on this here in a moment. But just to clear up that thought with Dupree. 
if you cut him before June 1st, it's going to be $9.35 million saved on the cap, significant amount of money. And you'll be eating $10.85 million in dead money on next year's cap. And then he'll be off the books after next year. If you make him a post-June 1st cut, then you get $15.75 million in cap savings, about you know, six or seven million dollars extra that you wouldn't have that you won't get if you cut him before June 1st. And then cutting him post-June 1st allows you to split up the dead money between the next two years. And so you'd be able to put $4.4 million dead money instead of 10.8 on the books for next year. And then I'm assuming, you know, five or six ish million of dead money on the books for dead cap in 2024. That, for example, is why Julio Jones is still on the Titans books for 2023 at, I think, an $8.5 million dead cap money number. They, they split him up. I think he was like 3.5 million dead cap in his first year gone last year. And then this upcoming year, they're going to have to eat $8.5 million dead cap because they cut him post June 1st to get some extra money. The conversation around Dupree is okay. Well, do you make it post June first or pre June first? The first thing I'll say is this: they can make the they can make the call at any time. They can announce it whenever. If they want to cut him pre June first, they can do it today. Even though the league calendar ends on March fifteenth, we saw the Rams do that today with Bobby Wagner. They announced they're going to be cutting him, but that's not actually the transaction is not going through until the beginning of the new year or the new league year because that's the way that it has to work. So if they want to make that decision now, they can. Why they didn't, either they don't want to cut him, you know, before June 1st, they want to make him a post June 1st cut, or they, for, you know, some, maybe they couldn't get a hold of him or his agent, or they're still thinking about it or whatever. They also can make him a post June 1st cut before June 1st. Now, the, the one question I don't know the answer to is, can you make an announcement about a guy being cut as a post June 1st cut before the new league year? I don't know. You look back at, Julio Jones last year, they announced that he was going to be a post June 1st cut on like March 17th or something. It was well before June 1st, but it was a couple of day, a day or two after the new league year began. So that leads me to believe I couldn't find a straight answer on it online, but that leads me to believe you can't make that announcement until the new league year has begun. I do know that once the new league year has begun, you can again, make that announcement well before June 1st and uh, just des designate them as a guy you're going to cut post June 1st. And then that really does them a solid because it allows them to go and find work uh, while you are waiting to get some extra money back off of their contract. But it gives you more money now at a pretty inopportune time in the season for using that money on free agency. And uh, it, it kicks the can down the road a little bit. It hurts you later with having to split that dead money up between the next two seasons and eat that on the cap. Sometimes it's beneficial. And with a guy like Julio Jones at the time, that felt like the right thing to do. But right now, I don't see why this team would make that decision. I'm yet to hear a coherent argument outside of, well, they'll use that extra money to sign their draft class. Draft classes don't cost that much money, guys. When was the last time we heard about a team struggling to sign their draft class because they didn't have enough cap room? That doesn't happen. These guys, you know, they're on the rookie contracts. Their cap hits are dramatically, dramatically lower than any other veteran on the team they're they're pennies on the dollar they're all sub one million dollars for the most part except for the very top guys the quarterbacks and the first rounders so that 
argument doesn't really hold much water with me. This team now has a, a good chunk of change in, in total cap available. And they also, I think really the the quiet answer to this, this debate, JT, is if you think the Titans should wait and make him a post-June 1st cut, it is because either consciously or subconsciously, you think that they are not, they are already not a competitor for next year. And they are already treating 2023 as a a re, retool season, a rebuild season. They're they're tearing it down and starting over, and they're not going to contend. Now, if that's the case, then there's maybe an argument for that, simply because it would allow you to I don't know have a little bit of extra money to spend in in June and July. But I don't know if anyone knows this or not. The free agent market, the pool of available players to sign in June or July kind of sucks compared to the free agent market in i don't know march and april getting that not almost 10 million dollars in cap space to add to the cap space they made for themselves on wednesday in april in march that is when you need that money to spend as i think that the titans want to do as i think that the titans should to get some free agents because i don't think that they're retooling next year i don't i don't think that they should and i don't think that they are and if you know mike vrabel i don't think you should suspect that either this is a team that's going to contend. They need a number of players at different positions that they can't fill in just the draft alone. They don't have the picks. They don't have the capital. They have to go make some moves in free agency, and they're going to, and and they, they need that money now. They need it now from Bud Dupree's contract in order to make those splash moves. So that's why I think it makes the most sense for sure for them to cut him pre-June 1st. I'm Again, I'm still willing to hear any and all coherent arguments as to why they shouldn't, but I, I feel pretty strongly at this point that they're, they should and they will. The only other guy that, that is worth mentioning for me right now is Ben Jones, and that's because on Bustin' with the Boys yesterday, uh, and this is a part that I've not, I'll, admittedly, I've not heard myself, but I've heard others talk about. Sounds like Taylor Lewan talked about Ben Jones and then to Ben Jones on a phone call or on FaceTime during the recording of the show, and they cut out the bits where Ben Jones is talking. I don't know why um, or if they had to. I suppose they had to or else they wouldn't have. But you can only hear Taylor's side of the conversation. And Taylor begins by asking him if he broke his arm or broke his shoulder. I guess alluding to him being in a sling in the video, which doesn't shock me. Ben Jones kind of a wild man, kind of a, a guy that gets beat up and you don't really know it. Uh, he keeps it to himself because he's one of the toughest guys I've, I've ever interacted with. He is a guy that may be on the chopping block for the Titans this year. More likely than not, he's probably a, a guy on the retirement block for the Titans this year. But cutting him doesn't make much sense to me, even though, again, on Bustin' with the Boys yesterday, Taylor Lewan did say, before I think he took the phone call with Ben Jones, that he thought they were going to cut Ben Jones. And he was alluding to today or we, Wednesday or Thursday of this week. Well, unless the Titans make a midnight call here on Thursday night, they aren't cutting him on Wednesday or Thursday. It also wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense for them to cut him because you'd be saving, I, th I think, like two or three million dollars in cap space if you were to cut him. And he's well worth the contract that he's currently on. If he decides to stay, he's well worth that dead cap hanging on to it and seeing if he wants to play again. Th that that is not the question that 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 calculus does not wash. It does not add up. And so I don't see them cutting him. I'm not sure why Lawan was alluding to maybe he in his, you know, in his final meeting with the brass over there, he heard that they were maybe going to cut some other linemen and he assumed it was going to be him. Or maybe he heard they were going to cut some other players and he assumed Ben Jones would be included. I don't know why he said that. It makes you wonder. It's really the first that I've heard anyone talk about Ben Jones being cut. 
and not being retired, but something to keep an eye on. Although I don't think it's going to happen. Um, the last thing I want to mention JT, before we get into some Titans news and then some miserable mockable mocks, and then we get out of here is this. And I've mentioned it at the top of our show. I'll mention it again. Now, anybody acting like yesterday tells us anything about the long or short term trajectory of the Titans has not been paying attention to the Titans. It's really as simple as these were, and most teams have these, but the Titans have them in spades this year. There are a handful of cuts every single season that every single team makes at the beginning of the offseason that are no-brainers for one re reason or another. Again, they're washed. Their contract make, makes no sense. They are not a culture fit. They are wanting out. They they The, the team needs the, the cap space. Whatever it is, there's a handful of things that just on paper, you got to do it. You got to make this cut, and they make it as soon as they can. All four of these were in that category. You know, Randy Bullock wasn't one they needed to make, but it's one that totally makes sense. And they've not, they're not, they're not, they're not winning or losing games based on Randy Bullock being on the roster. If anything, they're losing games. They had at least one game last year. They lost the first game of the year because of Randy Bullock. But these weren't moves that change what this team, the starting roster for the Titans looks like from a you know high caliber standpoint Robert Woods was playing but he was bad Randy Bullock was playing but he was bad Taylor Lewan hasn't played more than half the games in the last four seasons Zach Cunningham last season didn't play him when he did he was actively horrible so you you've not the Titans could roll out their active roster today and it wouldn't really suffer from these cuts it's a situation where folks see big names and these granted are some bigger names on the team, bigger names on the roster. And they, from their half intelligent standpoint, their half, their half red perch upon their national media or regional media, or just not paying very close attention media um, or ivory tower. They are seeing these moves and immediately assuming, Oh, I guess the Titans are tearing it down. I guess they are, you know, new GM Rancarthen struts into town and starts changing this roster up. He's going to take a year or two to get it the way he wants it. Maybe he is, but these moves don't indicate that at all. And if you think that, um, it's one of those things that I, you even saw Titans fans yesterday, JT, that you know, that they know well and good that these shouldn't be surprising moves, but they see them. And I guess there's just this visceral response that when the thing actually happens, they freak out and they're like, well, I guess we're tearing it down, man. Guess we're tearing it to the studs. Guess this is Grant Carthen's going to take his time with this thing. We, what we've been talking about this for, for how long that these were the cuts that we're going to make as soon as they could, that these are the cuts they had to make that we're going to make them a better team. They were going to have the ability to become a, a much better team because of these cuts, not, Oh, they're making these cuts because they're tearing it down to the studs. What are you, what are you talking about? It's nonsense. It's ridiculous. And if people are talking like that, they need not be trusted. They need not be listened to. I don't, I don't, I don't like to always say if somebody's wrong about something, they shouldn't be listened to because there is nobody in, in the media or in any walk of life that is never wrong. I'm wrong all the time. That doesn't mean you, you shouldn't listen to me. But something like that, there are certain benchmarks in any line of work where if you don't know this, I don't know what you're talking about. This is one of them. If you don't know that these cuts were necessary, that they're good, and they are in no way indicative of the Titans tearing the roster down to the studs or going into a full rebuild or taking 2023 as a retool, which they may end up choosing to do. But these moves do not indicate that in any way, shape, or form. So it's foolishness, it's nonsense, and guard yourself against folks that, 
that may have that take for you. And with that, JT, let's get into some Titans news. Let's jump into the news. And as you alluded to earlier, another player that got uh, announced to be cut, but isn't exactly cut yet before the new uh, season is Bobby Wagner. He's yeah. being released at the end of the calendar year by the Rams, and he will be officially a free agent and is searching for a team that most likely has Super Bowl aspirations. He's not looking to join a team in the rebuilding fa- phrase, phase. Wow. Phase. Sure. Easton, with that said, who do you see being a potential suitor for Bobby Wagner? Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the Bengals would be a, a perfect landing spot for Bobby Wagner. He's going to be a hot commodity in general. I w- it wouldn't shock me if he goes to a handful of different teams because he is exactly the kind of veteran star player. And I can't believe we're saying this because it felt like just a year or two ago we were talking about how, wow, Bobby Wagner really fell off in Seattle. If you still think Bobby Wagner is elite, you don't know ball. Um, and that was an appropriate take for a while. And then he went to the Rams, and last year he was a second-team All-Pro, arguably the best linebacker in the entire league he was pff's highest graded linebacker in the league he was a stud he did it all for the rams now maybe that's because they had nobody else to make tackles on defense i don't know uh that whole team was a disaster but they are as a team no longer in a position to be having a guy like that on the roster they are actually in tear it down rebuild mode a little bit um you, you would imagine at least we'll see but it seems like they're much more in that in that space after last season than the titans are in that division um, but yeah, he's a guy that I think a team like the Bengals, who the, the first one that came to mind was the Bengals, not just because you are uh, a, a close friend of mine and you are a resident Bengals fan, but the Bengals are the, the team that comes to mind in, in terms of needing big linebacker help because they're a contending team. They're going to contend next year. They've got a lot of continuity, a lot of players sticking around and they've got a guy in, um, what happened? Uh, Pratt, Pratt. Yeah. When, yeah. 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 When Pratt ends up walking for the Bengals next year, um, and it sounds like from what I've read, I was reading this earlier today, it's pretty much a done deal that he's going to inevitably walk in free agency. He's the kind of guy they should absolutely be looking to target. He's the kind of veteran, kind of like Von Miller was last year for the Bills. Injuries made that not really work out for him in the end, but he's the kind of player that is the finisher for your roster construction. He's the kind of guy that can really round out a team in, in that way. And as long as he can play like he did last year, He's going to bring the juice and the energy and, and be the guy that you want the green dot on his helmet because he is a fantastic leader. So um, a guy that has kind of come back from the dead, good for him. He's going to have a lot of suitors. Another guy that could be a cap casualty or at least a contract restructuring for the Titans is Kevin Byard, who friend yep. of the show, Zach Lyons over at football and other F words uh, pointed out today that his upcoming cap hits for the next two seasons are 19 million and 17 million respectively. A post June 1st cut would save about 14.1 million towards the cap, but it seems like probably a restructure for the sake of the team would probably be smarter. What do you think Easton? Yeah, this is a contract that I had on my short list of contracts to watch this offseason. Zach Lyons, he is the he's our, our resident um, football of business expert when it comes to the offseason. He's he's well read on these things, and I, I trust his opinion on these things. Um, he mentioned today and kind of brought this back up in my mind. It had kind of settled to the back of my mind that, oh, yeah, this this Kevin Byard contract is is no bueno going forward. He, like you said, some 19 some odd million dollars against the cap next year, cap hit. You, you can't you can't allow an aging cornerback, an aging safety, even as good as Kevin Byard, to play at 19 and 17 million dollar cap hits the next two seasons. 
you, you just can't do it. We, we've reached the point with these contracts. If you're if you're new to NFL business, you know that um, you probably are picking up on the fact that a lot of these contracts, where they're structured, are the first year or two or three, you make them, um, you know, incentive, not incentive heavy, um, cash advance heavy, signing bonus heavy. You give the players a lot of money up front. You make their cap hits quite small so that the team can have a lot of extra room to build around them in the first couple of years. And then you build it to where in the you know third, fourth, fifth, sixth year of the contract, that's when the cap hits get exorbitant and untenable. And the idea is, well, by then we'll either re-up them or restructure or extend and continue to kick that can down the road. Or we'll be in a position as a team where we're wanting to tear it down to the studs and we can just eat that cap number for a year and rebuild. Um, but regardless, the Titans aren't in that position to do any of those things right now, I don't believe. That's not the way that they're wanting to go about this season, in in my eyes. And they've reached that point in Bayard's contract where, okay, we've reached the point where we, we've reached, we kicked the can down the road a couple of years ago. We have now caught up to the can. We got to decide whether to kick it further down the road or to take the can and, and I don't know, what's the proper metaphor here? Replace the can? Re remodel the can? Um, recycle it? Reci recycle? I think it's time to recycle this can. This can needs to be recycled on Kevin Byard because at his age, I just don't see them once again kicking that can down the road, extending his contract, making those big numbers show up again. I'd imagine at his age, two, at most three years down the road. You'd imagine at that age. I mean, how old is, is Kevin Byard? Alexa, how old is Kevin Byard? <laughs> is that right? 36? That can't be right. Alexa, you're lying. Let me look. Let me look. Well, you look it up. I trust. Yeah, I trust. Yeah, yeah. He's I trust 29. Twenty yeah, that's the last time I ever trust AI on this show. I thought <laughs> it was going to be a cool tech integration moment. And then you just lie to me like that. I think this. I think she said wow. bird too. Who are we talking about? Are you talking about Sue Bird, Alexa? I think she's talking about Sue Bird. Look up, see if Sue Bird is thirty six, because that's what I think she said. Bird. Anyways, um, yeah. No, Sue Bird's forty two. Who Who are you talking about, Alexa? Who Who are you talking about? I don't know. Um, but regardless, twenty nine. Not Not ancient, but in terms of you know an elite defensive back in the NFL, getting close to ancient, getting really close to the wrong side of thirty. You, you can't extend him and then have him be another 19, 20 million dollar cap hit at age 33. That's not going to work. And Rand Carthen as the new GM of this team, isn't looking to be in a position to tear it down in three years and just eat a big cap number. So this is of all the contracts on the Titans payroll right now, the most likely in my eyes to be the one that just gets again, the can gets recycled and we buy a new can because this is a guy who has always been a team leader. He's always been pretty team friendly, willing to redo his contract, willing to do what it takes to keep the championship window for himself and his favorite hometown team alive. He's long expressed his desire to play his entire career here and retire as a Titan. Guy played locally at MTSU. Like he is a Tennessean through and through in his football career. He wants to stay. He wants to help them win a championship. He's going to do what it takes. And so he's the prime, perfect example of a guy who, well, okay, great, great. We'll just, we'll take his contract and put it in the shredder and just write up a new one. We'll, we'll compensate him handsomely. But this whole $19 million against the cat business for a 29-year-old safety, even though he's one of the best safeties in the league, you can't do that. So this is a contract that they're going to almost certainly shred and redo because it is an untenable contract and it does almost certainly require them to re completely restructure that contract that does mean that there's a chance that if 
the, the sides, the two parties can't come to an agreement here. There's a chance he's another cap casualty that gets cut. There's a chance that he's on the trading block. There's a chance that he's not back. That that number makes the offseason contract negotiations kind of tenuous. And um, that's something to pay attention to. But for him in particular, of any of, of the guys, the Titans are going to do their very best to keep around and to make happy. He's got to be at the top of the list. So I wouldn't. My, my concern level for Kevin Byard remaining in Tennessee is at, a, I don't know, a three or a four. I, I would be pretty surprised if he doesn't remain in Tennessee, but that contract has got to go. Finally, to round out our news segment, the books have given out their team odds for where Ryan Tannehill will yes, be in the 2023 season. And it's a little interesting, not not what you would expect if you were just going to guess and, and, not, and not look at these. So, of course, sure. we have the... Tennessee Titans here at plus 125 with about 44.4% implied probability. Next up, the, the most likely team to land Ryan Tannehill other than the Titans is the Carolina Panthers at plus 275 with no. over a 25% implied probability, which no. is a little interesting. And then next, Wrong. The, the New York Jets at plus 400 with a 20%. Sure. Las Vegas Raiders at plus 650 with 13%. No. New York Giants at plus a thousand with nine percent. No, and then the field at plus fifteen hundred with six percent. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's either Titans, Jets, or the field there, man, because the, the, those are all dumb and bad, and it's not the only. It's it. I'm gonna stick stick to our guns here. It's the Titans. He's staying with the Titans. But if he's not, it's the Jets or it's somebody random. Those other teams don't make any sense for reasons that I won't go into, but you can figure them out if you have a brain and pay attention to the NFL. Um, weird, weird odds. I'm kind of surprised by how low the Titans odds are. But once again, I'm, I guess I'm kind of not merely because this is the time of year people are willing to go against their, their best judgment and essentially donate to these sports books because they give them juicy odds on, on longer shot things to happen like this. This is I think bordering on another instance of that. There are some bets where it's like, oh, this is a don't. I, I text you all the time about these donation bets. I tweet about it sometimes. These these books put on these deals or these specials, or they they're promoting a, a bet. Pretty good rule of thumb. If if a book is promoting a bet, they're probably going to win money off that bet, uh, which means you're going to lose money off that bet. So maybe don't donate to sports books. They have enough money as it is. They win enough of your money when you're trying as it is. Um, this is one of those that's kind of. I, I've got I've got it red flagged in that regard. Um, again, I think he's going to be a Titan. If not, I think the Jets are the most uh, obvious answer. And that's going to do it for our new segment today. All right, that's about it for today, JT. I I have not even looked at this, um, but you you pulled this together for us. We we started our miserable mocks all call. What was it Monday or last yeah. Friday? Yeah, Monday. Okay, on Monday we talked about how the PFF mock draft machine the the draft simulator they have on the website is a very nice tool and very helpful and very fun but um it is far from the gospel truth and like most things in life should be taking taken with a massive grain of salt this is no exception uh this is an instance of uh you know a a, a game that can be rigged if you know what you're doing and it can delude a lot of folks into thinking that a team can get away with a lot more than they actually can because it's willing to let you trade and win trades that are ridiculous and would never happen. We asked anybody that was willing to join us in our ridiculous delusional grandeur to uh, send us their favorite ridiculous mock drafts. And we got a couple 
sent to us. What's this first one we got that we just want to shout out our listeners and and review just how ridiculous it is on a scale of one to 10. How miserable is this mock? What do we got? Yeah, so our first one's going to come from Jacob Jacob Sane at Jay Sanity on mm-hmm. Twitter. He came up with one of our a, one of our most loyal followers. Yes, our, one of our most loyal massive, listeners. Massive shout out to Jacob Sane. Um, I, definitely top three guys that pay attention to our contract content and follow us. So appreciate you. Not shocked at all that he sent us one. Yeah. So first up here, if we look at it, he's got a he's got an interesting idea, which I tweeted back at him. I'm like, I don't I don't hate. The, the beginning uh, of this the beginning of this in which okay. i mean i mean the price is just absolutely I mean, I, ludicrous i kind of do but yeah uh giving up the uh 11th pick in re- in return receiving the commander's 16th overall pick in the first round a third rounder and then terry mclaurin which i think he's he's one he's one of my um favorite wide receivers in the league i think he's a little Me too. underrated um for what people give him but he is uh going back to the titans so the titans to get terry mclaurin all they have to do is move back five spots and they get a third rounder for it as well which yeah but I, but really, let me clarify really when i when i said i hate it i hate it for the commanders because it's yeah. a ridiculous trade now maybe pff's rationale the, the machine's rationale here is that well the titans are having to eat you know a pretty big contract with mclaurin sure whatever still a ridiculous trade the the commanders would never ever do this to move up five spots and lose a third rounder and lose their their cornerstone wide receivers that's ridiculous and then an even more ridiculous trade after that abe lucas the uh he this past year was his rookie year i believe yes he was drafted in 2022 yeah yeah because we talked about him a lot last year uh in the in the draft shows he he's a guy that just came in for seattle i think they spent the first round on him first rounder on him last year and he played pretty well for him and now they're just going to ship him off to move up four spots in the first round, the Titans get a bookend tackle who's young and on a rookie contract, and they only have to move back four spots in the first round. Hilarious. Hilarious. Then they get another tackle, according to Jacob Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma uh, in the second round. And then a guard, Osiris Torrance, in the third round. And then, uh, <laughs> then Kansas City is all in on Caleb Farley, baby. Kansas City going in, getting Caleb Farley, the Titans' third excuse me three three thirds from the titans uh in return for the titans to get another first round pick i guess to yeah to go up and get anton harrison at tackle so the titans they lose caleb farley and three third round picks and in return they get three first round picks terry mclaurin and abe lucas (laughs) which is listen Rand oh, Carson should win. You gotta, he should win GM of the year every year. If that's what and, he can and you, if that's you keep amazing. if you keep uh, going down here, you should look at who uh, the Titans get for sending Bud Dupree in a second rounder right there. Oh, they get, baby. They get rookie cornerback who arguably a lot maybe of rookie of the year votes. Yeah. Uh, Tariq Woolen. So the Titans are going to receive Tariq Woolen to replace Caleb Farley and the Seattle Seahawks second round pick here for Bud Dupree. Who, it's essentially a straight swap. Tariq Woolen is. for Bud Dupree, which is hilarious that it lets you get away with this and not a forced trade either because we can tell on these if you're watching the show and you should on youtube but broadway sports media's youtube page you can watch every show it looks beautiful our faces are awesome you should check us out um the 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 trade monikers along the side there it says trade if it's a forced trade and so you're just you're you know blatantly gaming the system it says trade in parentheses forced this is real it said yeah you can get away with this in real life man so that's insane hilarious the Titans with quite a haul here, and I'd say they're a contender after this this draft and, and trade cycle. This this is fantastic. 
Well done, Jay Sanity. And then we have uh, one more here today to round out our show. This one's going to be from Viking Dad underscore four. He sent me a few of them, but this was the one that I liked th- the most here. Um, we have the uh, the Titans. Um, you want to cover the up. trades first here? Yeah. Let's yeah. So let, let's let's cover the trades here first, in which the Titans are sending all their first round picks for the next uh, couple of years. This year, next year, the next year, and the next year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Four consecutive so, and, first. And we're gonna go up awesome. and uh, we're gonna go up and get C.J. Stroud here, um, and we're gonna pair him with. Now, I will his... say that's probably the most realistic part of, of any of these drafts because yeah. um, that that is, I'd say that that is oh, that's a round that's a round two that's a round two pick three firsts in a second. Yeah. Right. Okay. Three firsts in a second. That is in the in the territory of what it would actually cost to go up to get that first overall pick. So that part makes sense. So we're gonna go up and get C.J. Stroud. We're gonna pair him with his uh, offensive tackle there, Dewan Jones, as well as Darnell Washington from Georgia, as in Andrew Voorhees, who is very commonly picked and hated by PFF. PFF here. gave him an F grade for going number one thirty one overall in the third third round. Hilarious. Um, excuse me. That's they—they they have him as as their number one thirty-one player. Excuse me. This would be seventy-fourth overall, but still, they hate this guy. Very funny. But so far, the Titans—it took three firsts in a second, but they've got their franchise quarterback, uh, a tackle, a guard, and a tight end all to start day one. So pretty good so far. Pretty nice. And and then we're gonna we're gonna trade Ryan Tannehill for the for well, for sure. The you don't rest, need new quarterback. Get the, him out of here. Yeah. For the rest of the Jets draft picks here, we're gonna take their third, fourth, fifth, and sixth rounder here in this draft for Ryan Tannehill. And that I guess, you know, I, I don't know if Ryan Tannehill's all That's worth King's that. That's King's Ransom on. right there. I it, love it. It, it. it really is. But we're gonna uh, and those are all this year, by the way. This is what I did yeah. in my ridiculous one as well. I love that PFF thinks the Jets would be willing to give away four the of, of their, their draft, four of their five draft picks this season. All, just, they only have five or six draft picks, and they they are willing to let you trade for the Jets, almost all of them for Ryan Tannehill. Like the, the Jets are just phoning it in, and they I guess the that PFF has gone all in on the popular fan sentiment of well, the Jets are just quarterback away. I guess if you're just quarterback away, then who needs the rest of your draft, right? Exactly. And, and so the, the Titans are going to find two more wide receivers to pair with Traylon Burks and Marvin Mims from yeah. Oklahoma and Jonathan Mingo from like Mississippi. Like we get a Riley Moss from Iowa, sure. another tight end in this draft. We're taking two t- tight ends in this draft. The, Is uh, the prince that was promised, does he mean nothing to you people? What are we doing? I, I what are no we doing idea. here? Stop it. We're going to round it out here with a linebacker out of TCU, D Winters. And then, you know, we, we cut, we cut, uh, Fat Randy, Randy so we're going to we're going to take Jake Moody out, out of Randy. uh Michigan here to be our next kicker. Sure. Yeah, get, PFF said this is an A minus mock. Hilarious. Appreciate you guys sending those in. And, and just to clarify for our miserable mock segment, which I want us to keep going. If you are listening, we are, we are also we want real mocks for this as well. Like send us the ridiculous ones that PFF lets you get away with, but also as the mock draft season gets hot and heavy here in the next couple of weeks as you see real people that are paid to give you their football opinions online or on television or on radio, put out mock drafts on the internet. There are going to be some, especially national folks that don't know anything about the Titans. The same folks telling you that yesterday's Wednesday's moves. I mean, the Titans are tearing it down to the studs. They are going to put out mocks that are hilarious. There's already been one where the, the Titans are drafting a tight end at 11, which is hilarious. And I think it was Dalton Kincaid, which is even more hilarious and a disaster of a pick. Um, that that's just, that's the kind of thing that we want you to send us so we can make fun of real like dead serious 
mock drafts that are out there that are, that deserve to be made fun of. So send us your fake ones that are hilarious, but also send us the ones that are real. Those are the ones we're really looking for. We're going to be tracking them down. If you find them, just in the replies, just, just tag us with a hashtag miserable mocks or hashtag hot read pod or tag us at Easton freeze at JT underscore runky, whatever it is. We want to see them. And for that, we're going to be with that. We're going to be done. We will see you again on Monday. We'll be pretty much spending all of Monday's show, unless there's big Titans news or otherwise over the weekend, which you never know. Um, we spend a Monday show doing a primer for our week in Indianapolis, getting ready for the combine. Super, super excited about that. Cannot wait for that until Monday morning for producer JT. I'm your host, Easton Freeze. Goodbye, everyone. Have a great weekend. 